G'day Groovy Humans and welcome to A Groovy Enlightened Life. Today we are talking with Trisha Wren. Now Trisha is an animal communicator and she specializes in horses and I just find her work absolutely fascinating. You know, that deeper connection to oneness, that deeper connection with the animal kingdom. And we explore all around that connection, the connection to oneness, the concept of why it's so important for us to build those relationships with our pets, with, our, with the animals uh, that we are surrounded by. And we also delve into why these animals exist in our lives, why they are here and their own soul's purpose and soul's contracts. I hope you really enjoy the episode today. Sit back, relax, grab a cuppa, let's get cracking. Welcome to the show, Trisha. So how about you start by just sharing a little bit about yourself and what you do in the world? Okay, well, I'm Scottish. I've become a parent the more I speak, probably. <laughs> um, and I live in New Zealand. And my background is with horses. Um, for the last... 20 years or so I've been what I would call an equine professional so I worked um, teaching riders about their bodies their horses bodies biomechanics basically um, traveling around teaching riding lessons and teaching horses and I did that for a long time and uh, you know horses are my passion I've had horses I was going to say all my life. I haven't had horses all my life. I've been passionate about, passionate about them all my life, but my dad wouldn't actually buy me a pony. <laughs> <laughs> I did have lessons as a kid and, and ride friends' ponies and all that, but I didn't have my own horse until I bought my first horse when I was 21. Okay. Um, and competed and, you know, did everything. Just mad about horses, basically. Wow. And then started teaching. Initially, I was doing it on the side. My proper job was in IT. <laughs> of course. <laughs> we all, we all need sense. a proper job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the proper job that I do. <laughs> Any horse person will tell you there's no money in horses. <laughs> oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so, um, and then about, well, probably six or seven years ago, here in New Zealand, a friend invited me to a meditation group and I'd always wanted to be able to meditate and I couldn't. You know, I just went, I can't do it. I've tried, it doesn't work. This is rubbish. <laughs> can't do it. I tried all different ways, guided meditations, all sorts of things, couldn't do it. Yeah. So a friend invited me to a meditation group and I said yes, kind of thinking, last chance yeah. this is it <laughs> this doesn't work I'm just not supposed to be a meditator you know? <laughs> not for me and I swear to god that from the very first night everything just went kaboom mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I could meditate like that <laughs> um and I think really it's because it was a very long established meditation group some of the people there had been meditating together for almost 20 years. So there was really strong energy and really strong connections with the universe or whoever 
and it just opened everything up for me there and then just like that um and that really changed everything I can see looking back that everything I've done to this point has brought me to this point but that was a real pivotal moment what that has brought me to now for the last four years is animal communication. Um, I sudden through through the process of meditating and having just an amazing variety of experiences in that meditation group, like everything was thrown at me <laughs> to see if I could cope or what would I do? <laughs> I don't know, you know. Yeah. I don't question it. I just, I go with the flow, you know. That's it. It's perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, plus it was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because I was working with horses full time here in New Zealand, I, I worked with horses full time, left IT behind. Um, <laughs> and um, because I was working with horses, the information I started getting from them shifted and I started realizing that actually I could get different and much more in-depth information from them. And it, so it developed into this real animal communication skill, which I practiced on my existing clients. Yep. And then four years ago, I went, I think this is really what I'm supposed to be doing full time. Oh, wow. So yep. overnight, I switched pretty much wow. overnight. I switched from working with horses to doing animal communication. Um, horses are still my specialty because I know the most about them and it seems to me having worked with lots of different animals that horses are different mm. in all sorts of ways there there's something more spiritual about them and I get much different information from horses than I do from other animals um, yeah so that's where I am now um, four years of of being an animal communicator full-time yeah who knew that could be a job and earn me an Ex income? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, you know, I love it. When I first heard that you were an animal communicator, I'm like, wow. Like, it's not something that I think maybe when you were younger, you thought, I'm going to do that. So I yeah. don't know. <laughs> That's my career choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, to even think that something like that was possible, yeah. you know, um, until now. I mean, obviously, we've evolved as a human race to we're now you know talking about intuition and that connection and the oneness yeah. so it seems uh, I guess more common now to be thinking about things like that but obviously through your life yeah this was probably not even something considered I would imagine it was something that I definitely wanted mm. I wanted that closer connection. I wanted, I wished they would just tell me what was wrong with them, you know. Yeah. Um, and I did years and years ago back in Scotland, I did um, go on a couple of animal communication workshops and did Reiki training and things like that. But whilst it was interesting, and I'm sure looking back, that was all pieces of the puzzle and helped get me where I am now at the time it didn't seem all that successful or that it was doing there was no massive shift yeah um that really didn't happen until that meditation group but I do think that there is a change in people generally it's hard to say whether it's just that I think you would probably agree that 
you know, we start mixing with like more and more with like-minded people. So of course yeah. we have a certain view of the world, but I, it seems to me that people are more open to the woo-woo kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not as weird and wacky as it might have been thought to be 20 yeah. years ago, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So talk about, I guess, your job as an animal communicator. What do you do? <laughs> I sit in my meditation chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, basically, people, I do it all remotely. Oh. So when I first started and I was first pre- practicing, I was doing it kind of in person because I was still working with horses in person. Mm. So I would I would say to the owners, um, just give me a moment and I would close my eyes and just, you know, <laughs> do my thing. And they didn't really know what I was doing. But now it's completely remote. Um, I People send me a photo of their horse or their pet and its name. And that's basically all I need. Um, sometimes people will upfront give me more information, you know, about uh, an illness or something that's going on. But I don't need that. And, and to be honest, I pref- kind of prefer not to have that yeah. because then my my a perception of what might happen isn't clouded in any way yeah um and I think it helps for the owners too they know that they didn't tell me that thing up front you know and it, it gives a bit more validation I suppose um so yeah they they send me a photo and name which I just look at on my computer and then you know I just kind of and it doesn't have to be a recent photo even and it can just mm. be a headshot so yep. <laughs> I'm not reading anything from um you know the way the horse is standing or what yep. its coat looks like or anything like that it's literally just an energetic connection wow and then when I'm ready I sit in my meditation chair and close my eyes make a connection and I've got a kind of protocol that I go through of questions that I ask every time and things that I check and um yeah send them back a report and then they come back with any other questions that they've got okay cool and you mentioned before that horses you find it's different communicating with horses as opposed to other animals like what's that about I do find that different animals have the 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 energy of different animals feels different Mm -hmm. and the best way I can explain it, do you have pets at all, dogs or cats? No, no, nothing, no. Um, I have plenty of birds in my garden, though. All right. <laughs> well, so so tell me then if this makes sense or not to you, since you don't have pets as such. Mm-hmm. But yep. generally, people know, for instance, that cats are much more independent than dogs. You can't really tell a cat what to do. It will do what it wants to do, right? And it will come in when it wants to come in and all that. Mm-hmm. And dogs are more um, amenable and they want to be with you all the time and, you know, more smoochy, yeah. more trainable. Yeah. Um, and so there are those character differences and the energetic, energetic differences are kind of similar when I do cats you get that slightly aloof feeling from them (laughs) and they don't share as much information as a dog would a dog will share more information with me um, and I can ask more questions and get more from them and then with horses it's even more again 
I think part of it with horses is because we do so much more with them, which again makes sense from that scale of cats to dogs to horses. You know, we don't really do anything with cats and we can't train them. <laughs> we do a bit more with dogs, but we do a lot more with horses. We yeah. ride them, you know, oh, we okay. strap yeah. things on their backs. We we put them in metal boxes and drive them up to completely different places. And, <laughs> you know, we jump yep. over things with them, all that. Yeah. We do so much more with them. And so it seems to me that there's a lot more information to be had. Mm. There's more that can go wrong with a horse in a lot of ways. Um, and so I can delve into all of that. And so, I, you know, I'll check what their physical health is like and what their diet is, is like. Do they need something added to their diet or maybe removed from their diet? Um, I check them energetically I check their energy field and their chakras and clear and rebalance I check for things like past life issues hmm. and with cats and dogs that doesn't seem to come up okay or it doesn't seem to be such an issue but with horses it really can be hmm. and maybe for uh you know this is speculation because I haven't done any communication sessions with wild horses but maybe wild horses or horses that aren't being used by humans, maybe it wouldn't be such an issue for them. But the fact that we're doing more with horses, it becomes more of an issue, those things. And so it's really helpful to just clear that unuseful energetic baggage uh, and make things easier for them. And the cool thing is, unlike humans, animals let it go much quicker. Ah, yep. You know how we tend to have layers and layers and layers of shit, basically. <laughs> and yep. you get rid of some stuff and you think, yes, I've done it. And then some more appears and yep. there's more work to be done. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> but with horses and animals generally, it seems to me that they let it go much easier. Mm. That's interesting. So do you have that natural connection with, like you said, wild animals or animals just out in nature as well? I actually don't. Okay. So, and there's pros and cons to that. I think I'm a bit of a fake animal communicator. <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that, but um, not a real animal communicator. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, Stop that language. <laughs> <laughs> I think that most people's, um, assumption or idea of what an animal communicator is is that we must get streams of conversation from animals hear them talking to us yep. and if I was walking down the street and I passed some stranger with their dog I would that dog would be talking to me and I would hear mm. it and I'd be having a conversation yep. I don't get that okay I don't yep. get that at all yep. um I have to and some of it may be deliberate I'm not I'm just, it's a mix of deliberate <laughs> and just the way it works for me I think I mean I'm quite happy that I don't get bombarded with random stuff all the time um but also I'm very careful and deliberate about how I work I never work without permission yes um I, I always ask permission first and so um I think that might be part of the reason I don't get random stuff from everywhere. Um, yeah, so it works a little bit differently for me. I, I get um, words and 
phrases, I get answers to questions. And then I get a lot of colors and feelings and emotions. And basically I've just learned how to put it all together and how to interpret it and what it means to me. And I know that I'm, uh, I, I'm, I've learned that my interpretation is correct by the feedback I get yeah. from owners. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's really, really interesting because I've I've learned a little bit of uh, shaman sort of um, practices, and one of the key ones with communicating with nature and in particular animals is that you actually ask, need to ask permission to step yeah. into their energy. I yes. mean, we're a little bit rude as humans yes. because we're always just oh, give me this, give me that, or yeah. give me the answer, or whatever it might be, or we just push our ways way into another energy field. Yeah. And, you know, that's where I learnt, I guess, when I do a different practice altogether, if I want to talk to an animal, for example, I will, you know, ask for that, that um, permission to step yeah. into that. Do you want to talk today? Let's just talk as friends. Like, I don't need anything from you. I'm yeah. just here to, to learn if we want to communicate together and, and just have a general conversation. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, I wrote a whole blog about this at the end yeah. of end of last year I think about asking permission because it occurred to me that most people who have pets and horses there is a bit of an assumption that if it's your like my two dogs are lying here at the moment <laughs> there's a bit of an assumption that if it's your animal yours yes you what does that it. even mean you um, own it yeah exactly yeah. Um, if it's your pet that that you can touch it whenever you want and that they wouldn't mind would they mm. well maybe they do yeah some <laughs> do I'm sure they do and yeah. and so you know it got me thinking oh actually and I do it you know I, I stroke them on the head without even thinking and then I go oh didn't ask them if that would be okay <laughs> and to some people that would sound like PC gone mad right <laughs> it's like the whole oh, oh, I was going to say it's like the me too thing or you know there are there are similarities it's like you you have to get consent you know yeah um yeah and energy is such a, a such an interesting and powerful thing and I think most people are really unaware of energy um and we're so busy thinking other stuff that we don't stop to get back in our bodies and notice the little signals the animal might be giving us saying mm. I'd really rather you stayed over there right now yeah <laughs> you know yeah um, so for me it's an it's I, I'm doing it on a whole other level when I'm doing an animal communication session but I always always ask permission when I first started in the very beginning when I was practicing on those clients horses occasionally like I can probably count on one tie, one hand the number of times a horse said no to me, but it happened occasionally and I would just say, okay, that's fine and stop, do nothing else and then maybe try again later or another day or another week or whatever. And with all of them, when I went back a second time, I think there was only, there's only ever been one horse that blanked me completely and even when I went back I think I went back two other times and he still said no just wasn't interested at all mm. all the others when I went back a second time were fine with it it was like they just needed to 
get used to the idea because I had appeared out of nowhere in their <laughs> yes. energetic field, you know? Yeah, that's it. It's yeah. a bit of a shock. <laughs> it's like, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> Who's the Scottish lady that's just yeah. showed up? <laughs> yeah. It yeah. doesn't happen now. And, and I, I think that now, because I've been doing it for so long, I think even just unconsciously my mm. I mean I still consciously ask permission but I think outside of that unconsciously my whole energetic approach feels different to them yeah more so receptive they, yeah 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 and non-confrontational you know I'm just a gentle presence yeah and there's nothing for them to worry about mm. Yeah, that's amazing. So we touched on a little bit before how humans are probably not as aware as we need to be um, with our own pets and, yeah. and trying to understand, you know, their needs. So do you believe everybody can build that connection and that awareness? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think it just takes slowing down a bit and being a bit more mindful about how you are with your pets, whether mm. it's dogs, cats, horses, whatever it is. Um so consciously spending time with them would be one thing. You know, it occurred to me that my dogs are with me all the time. They're always in the office here with me when I'm working <laughs> and I do walk them once a day. But I had to consciously think, tell them how you feel every day, because otherwise mm. it's like they're just a they're they're a presence but you're not really connecting with them yeah you know yeah so um being consciously with them and finding a way to convey to them their their uh how you feel about them or their worth in your life you know mm. like I'm so glad we're doing this walk together. I love it when you keep me company and so glad you're in my life, you know? Yeah. It doesn't take much to do that, does it? We yeah. we would do it with a, well, you would hope. <laughs> we, probably, we probably know we should do it with a human partner, you know, like, I love you. Tell, them, tell your husband you love them every day or, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Or tell your best friend how much you appreciate everything they do for you. Or, you know, it's just that sort of, gratitude showing love and, and letting them know I see you and I'm mm. so glad you're in my life yeah that shouldn't be hard to do should it well it shouldn't be and you're right I mean I think it is questionable at times um, whether we do that well enough as humans to other yeah. humans in our in our own lives um, but yeah, we can look at, I guess, animals as more of objects, potentially, yeah. they're just possessions that we have in our life. And yeah. we're not we're not building those connections. I mean, we're all part of the universe. We're all this oneness concept that we're here for. Yeah. And if we're not making that connection with, you know, the animals within our lives, like, you know, Definitely. what can we do? You know, like, it's, yeah, we just really need to make those connections, I think, you know. Yeah. It's so easy to get sucked into the day-to-day -day routine and just doing the chores, you know. Mm. With horses too, you know, we go to, you know, muck out all the poo out of our horse's paddock and give, brush the mud off and um, feed him and, you know, all the chores that we've got to do. But we never take a minute to just be with him. Yeah. 
just be with them for a minute. Yeah. Gratitude, appreciation, just be. Yeah. 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 And do you find that um, potentially some of animals' illnesses um, and conditions are coming from that lack of connection from their owners? That's a really interesting question. Um, For me personally, I would say mostly no. But I do know, it seems to me that different animal communicators and healers, and I would call myself both, um, kind of get drawn to different areas and have different skills. And so I know, I'm pretty sure there are animal communicators and healers out there who um, would focus on how the owner is adversely affecting the pet or um, or even things like um, focusing on like I, I routinely clear and rebalance the chakras, for instance, but I know, but that's all I do. And that's all it feels like I need to do. But I know there are people out there who focus really specifically on the chakras and which one is the problem and why and what does that mean and where does that come from and all of that, you know. Um, so it just seems for me that um, the answer for the animals I'm working with is usually a no. For me, it's more about the bigger energetic picture. And also if there are issues with the owner, I feel that if I can get the animal in a good energetic place, then that owner crap, potentially, (laughs) whatever it is that's going on with them, won't affect the animal as as much or as badly Mm -hmm. because they can, can, it'll bounce off them if you like. Yeah, okay. And that's really interesting because, you know, I talk a lot about everybody has a unique purpose and you've just described exactly your unique work, essentially. So there's many different types of um, animal communicators, but you're focused in on this very unique um, healing for these particular animals. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's all about the energy. Mm. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So you obviously have a passion for horses. Uh, So what is you know I, I again I talk about our unique soul's purpose as humans do you believe I guess animals and in particular horses have that unique soul's purpose uh, mm. for being here um sort of mm-hmm. there's kind of two strands to this um I do believe that um quite often there are soul contracts between horses or and other animals but definitely with horses and their owners and when I've looked deeper into that it seems that um, when there is a soul contract between the horse and the person it's for a specific reason sometimes it's that the horse has things to teach the human and sometimes it's that the human has things to teach the horse and it can be both. And there might be several lessons, if you like, or it might be one big thing. Um, and, and so I can usually tell whether a horse is supposed to be with that person or not. Ah, wow. Yeah. Um, one of the things I do is um, pre-purchase sessions. So if someone's looking for a new horse, 
I've got one client in particular who's done a lot of horse shopping. <laughs> and so I've done a lot of pre-purchase sessions for her. And so I can ask very specific questions about yeah. uh, whether that horse is suitable for the purpose they want it for and whether they'll be a good match. And is that horse supposed to be with them? And is there a sole contract between them? And that can help them to make a decision about whether that horse is right for them or not. Mm. Um, so that would be one part of a horse's uh, soul path, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other part is, now we're going out pretty deeply woo here for the listeners. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> Not for you, like... probably, Maya. But... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... And this might be, if any of my clients are listening, this might be news to them too, because there are a lot of things I do in my sessions that I don't necessarily tell my clients. Yeah. Um, yeah. And one thing that you don't know about me yet is I'm a complete statistics geek. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love I love stats. I love um, patterns of information. And so I ask lots of questions in my sessions and I track it all in Excel spreadsheets basically yeah well <laughs> because I love to see what the percentages are you know how what percentage of horses are in pain or mm. what percentage of horses uh, or how many past lives have they had that sort of thing all yeah. sorts of things well wow. one of the questions that I ask routinely when I first do a session with a horse is what incarnation is this horse on so how many incarnations has he had as a horse and it can be anything from this is his first incarnation through to um i think the highest i've had is about 120 and that's i don't get that very often i get a few around the 90 100 mark it's a lot of incarnations as a horse. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I also ask what their spiritual maturity is. Because and mostly just because I'm really fascinated yeah. <laughs> by this stuff and I want to know, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> and and maybe it'll turn into a book or something one day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but so um in terms of their their spiritual path, um they do get reincarnated. A lot as a horse mm. and um my feeling is with humans when we get reincarnated over and over we we tend to get reincarnated um or the things that we have to do in our lifetime are because maybe we didn't deal with it last time or there's something else we need to experience those sorts of things with horses I don't think it's quite like that I think it's more that um I do think they experience different types of horse life but I think the bigger picture is really they're here to help us and to teach us stuff yeah that's their purpose yeah and do you find that maybe the same with all animals well, I haven't specifically asked dogs and cats, for instance, whether they've been incarnated before or how many times they've been incarnated. It seems very 
specific to horses, but I don't know if that's just because that's where my focus yeah. is supposed to be yeah. or and or whether it just isn't like that with dogs and cats. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. I got asked another interesting question the other day from a for, about a dog. Um, the person said to me um, she'd had to have her dog put down two years ago and she still was really missing him. And she said, she asked me whether I thought he might come back as another animal or, or as another dog or as something else. And was that possible? And I said, well, uh, maybe <laughs> might <Yeah>. be <laughs> yeah. um but in my experience i suspect that we humans just think that's possible because it makes us feel better, better. because yeah. and because we want them to come back because we love them so much yeah whether they actually do or not i'm not sure yeah yeah no, that's great so at A Groovy Enlightened Life, we talk uh, a lot about building that deeper connection to oneness, so to the natural world around us, to animals, everything, all beings. What are your thoughts about how important this is for humanity? I think it's really important. I think that, think that a lot of people have lost any kind of empathy and animals are really good at teaching us that. Um, I think I think all children should have an animal, a pet, in their childhood, yeah. and learn uh, about how to look after another being and and what happens when they die and and the you know everything. I think that helps with our development and um, empathy. Um, I think having a connection with an animal, you know, even if it is, even if you are just taking your dog for a walk every day and stroking it every now and then, you know, doing kind of just the, the basics, base level, yeah, um, it's still really good for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, stroking a pet is really soothing and it does help to ground you and bring you back into your body and all that good stuff. Um, Taking your dog for a walk gets you out in nature. And again, you know, there's that connection with your pet and with nature. So I think I think being around animals is really good for people. And when it comes to the communication side, um, I think I think what I found is. You know, it's one of those things where, on the one hand, the type of person who who'd ask me to connect with their animal is probably already open to it a little bit, open to slightly weird out there kind of stuff. You know, it's normal stuff. Let's call it normal. <laughs> well, I think it's normal. But exactly. It's normal in my world. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but I think the kind of information that I can give them and the shifts and changes that, that can happen, it really helps them to see their animals in a different way. And that can only be good. Mm. Um, understanding that uh, how they behave affects their pet um, and the things they can do differently to affect their pet's happiness or lifestyle or, you know, quality of life. 
um, and also how they can get more out of the relationship by um, changing the way they think a little bit. Yeah, and, you know, you often hear around, you know, having a pet helps your own personal health as a human as well. I think so, for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you very much, Trisha, for sharing all your wisdom today. Is there any (laughs) final words you'd like to share with us? Oh, just keep connecting with your horses and your pets. Uh, Be mindful with them. Spend some quality time where you're actually with them as opposed to just with them. Yep. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And make sure they know how much you value and love them. Mm, Beautiful. Thank you so much, Trisha. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. I love the work that Trisha does, that deeper connection and communication with the animal kingdom and in particular horses and what she teaches and helps others to realize around that connection within themselves and the animals that they have in their lives. If you'd like to get in touch with Trisha or find out what she does in the world, head over to sagacityrising.com forward slash AGEL 021. And if you are interested in joining a community of like-minded people who are dedicated to their spiritual journey and their own self-development, then head to tribe.sagacityrising.com. Thank you once again for taking time out of your life to listen to the podcast today. Stay groovy, my friends. My out.